It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the basketball fanatics. I got Mackenzie Rivers in the house. You guys can get him on Twitter at Mac and Rivers. Jay Smoove in the house as well. You guys can get him Smoove underscore 702. And Dan Rivera, stats and information guru, is here as well. Summit League guru. You guys can get him at Dan Rivera 228. And you can find us all on the best sports betting information site on the web pregame.com all right guys here's what we're going to do we got two college basketball games that we're going to cover and one nba game that we'll cover dan first i want to go ahead and start out with you we have south dakota they're gonna be minus seven and a half tomorrow they'll be on the road at western illinois currently we have a total of 147 and a half tip off tomorrow 8 p.m eastern so we want to go ahead and get this one to you guys first dan south dakota western illinois what are you thinking I like South Dakota here, minus seven and a half. And there's no way I can come on a college basketball pod or NBA pod and not mention the word Dakota. South Dakota was a young team coming into the year, and I stayed away from them just because they only had one returning starter. This team is finally finding their footing, winning all four conference games so far. South Dakota is number 152 in the nation on offense, and this team can hit threes. They are number 34 in the nation from three, hitting 38% so far this year. If you look strictly at conference only, they're hitting 48.2%. South Dakota is also number one in the nation at free throw shooting. And all you listeners know, I like I like to back good free throw shooting teams. Western Illinois on the other hand, they, they suck at everything. If you look at Kempom, lots and lots of red. Now, normally, Sleepy, I'm not a super big fan of backing a team laying this many points on the road. But Western Illinois is in relative exception to that thought process. This team is bad, and normally you pay a premium to back the home team when Western Illinois is on the road. The premium is gone here. Lastly, Western Illinois is an abysmal 3-11-1 against the spread at home as of t- since 2019, failing to cover by 5.5 points per game. South Dakota can win here by about 10 to 12 points, and I think they do. I think South Dakota wins this game 81-69. to all right, guys, there you go. Dan Rivera with South Dakota minus the seven and a half. Best of luck to him on that one. We will get into some Horizon League stuff here as well for Friday. Let's jump into an NBA game here, guys. We had the Nets. They uh, they they uh, they made their, their big three debut the other night, and uh, it didn't go very well. Uh, they gave it like 147 points in that game, and we're going to have a rematch. we got the Nets. They're going to be on the road here at the Cavs. Nets are going to lay a hefty number here, minus 10, total 227. Mackenzie, I'll go ahead. I'll throw it to you first. Nets and Cavs, before you talk about the game, why don't you go ahead and discuss, you know, what you saw with the big three on the floor? You know, what did you like? What did you dislike? Well, we've seen big threes before, such as the LeBron Heatles. And uh, even when Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, they were seven-point favorites at home to the Spurs, and they just got annihilated. They lost by 30. So I don't think losing as a 10-point favorite, you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. They shouldn't have been a 10-point favorite in that spot. But losing in that spot doesn't change my general take on them that I think their offensive firepower is going to be too much for anybody can de- to deal with. Someone put up Kevin Durant stats from his MVP season versus this season, and in like every category this season he's better, which makes sense. Offense is easier now. But still, just back to his old self. The only thing I didn't really like is that Harden, I mean, maybe I, I just didn't understand it. Harden had like 12 assists before Kyrie had like three. 
I feel like Kyrie can do so much as an off-ball player and so can Harden, but I feel like that should be more 50-50. If you think of the triangle offense with the Lakers and the Bulls or what Greg Popovich did with the Spurs, there was never like one guy that had 10 assists per game or 12 assists per game. It was always very balanced, and I think when you're trying to have a balanced offense, it can't just be balanced in terms of who takes the shots, but also who has the ball bringing it up, who does the dirty work bringing it up, and who uh, is you know facilitating when you're actually trying to score at the end of the at the end of the possession. So I'm I'm not t- I don't have any pros or cons as far as my outlook for them, but I'm just interested in that development going forward. You know what I thought was interesting is the fact that you know it was Kyrie that took all the shots, and I think that. You know, the main reason for that was probably so it didn't end up in the media where, you know, it was Durant scored 37, Harden scored, you know, 24, and Kyrie scored four. And I'm like, you know what? They probably want to go ahead and get Kyrie to have a big game. So they really quiet down the noise. So I'm just wondering if if that was kind of the approach being like, you know what? He hasn't been here in a while. Let's let him go ahead and do, you know, the majority of the scoring in this game to kind of just quiet down the critics now that may have may or may not have backfired on the fact that they lost the game. But I have a feeling that that was kind of the approach that they wanted to take going into that game uh, was more to just go ahead and try to quiet down some of the media being like, you know, does this team even need Kyrie or whatever the case might be? Uh, I think this team will be good. I think they're going to end up being able to figure it out, you know, over the, I would say probably the next couple of weeks, they'll figure it out. But it seems like at least, you know, Durant and Harden, um, that they, they they had kind of a, a decent thing going, but I don't think that I don't think that this team will will struggle for for very long. I think they'll it, it might even be in this particular game where they come out and they score you know 140 and they just absolutely crush the Cavs. Um, you never know. How you feeling about this one, Jay Smooth Nets and Cavs? Yeah, I was looking more so on um, how bad they were on the defensive end in that game with the Cavs. You know they've pretty much struggled all year, um, ranked 21st in defensive rating overall. And since the James Harden trade, bringing him in, they're uh, 26th in the game, their last game against the Cavs. They gave up, obviously, 147 points, but their defensive rating, 122.5. So I think that's where their biggest issue is going to be. And also, you know, they're, they're not going to have a problem scoring the ball. You know, between Harden, Kyrie, and Durant, they'll obviously figure it out. But it's just the the depth for me behind those three guys. You know, they didn't have any scoring off the bench, and they didn't really, really play much, uh, play many players off the bench. And I think the injury to Spencer Dinwiddie, leaving losing him for the for the year to his injury, that kind of hurt their versatility to have a guy to come off the bench and provide that scoring punch and t- kind of take some of that pressure you know off of those three guys but you know just getting back to the defense you know we have a defense that bad you know um it's going to be hard to live up to championship aspirations if they don't if they can't if they can't turn it around and you know Steve Nash he had already came out and said that you know he had cut his rotation down to six guys uh just off the simple fact he didn't have a lot of confidence in those guys you know deep in the bench you know to play him more but, you know, coming off that double overtime game with his top six guys playing 40 minutes and more, you know, he might be forced to have to play those guys. And, you know, they also struggle rebounding the ball, uh, even when they, you know, don't get guys to miss shots. You know, they rank 26 in defensive rebound percentage. And, you know, that could be a, a, a key factor for the Cavs. You know, Andre Drummond, 
you know, in the double overtime game, he's a starter. He only played 25 minutes, so he might be a little fresh. Uh, Jared Allen, who they just got from the Nets in that big trade, he also averages double-digit rebounds, too. He only played 31 minutes. Um, they also have some guys, the Cavs, uh, that didn't play in uh, JaVale McGee and Larry Nance Jr. Um, they also average about six rebounds a game. So one of the key factors for this game for me might be the defensive side and uh, rebounding the ball uh, for the Cavs. And I think they hold the edge in uh, both spots. So I would look, you know, lean towards the Cavs in this one. Yeah, I think the over has has a good chance to hit. I, I would probably go ahead and take that. I know a lot of it's bias is based off the last result, but I don't know, man, 227. I mean, that seems kind of low to me. And the fact that, you know, you're going to have to play these guys heavy minutes. I have a feeling, you know, if you remember what the Warriors did, you know, with, when they had Clay and they had Steph and they had KD out there, you know, it was like Clay was like the first guy off the floor and he sat. And then like, once those two got the rest, it was like, boom, there, Clay was right out there. So, you know, they always had one of their big three out there. And my feeling is that they're not going to take Kyrie away from KD, that they're going to take Harden away first. And it's going to be Harden is going to be, you know, more of like the guy that's that's going to have to pick up the scoring, you know, for the bench. And I think that that's probably a role that Harden's going to be comfortable with because, I mean, we can say what we want, you know, with the years he played in, in Houston. But, you know, a lot of times it seemed like it was just Harden out there doing everything by himself. And I feel like that's kind of a role that he might be comfortable with. I don't think Kyrie would be comfortable in that role. At least we saw, you know, what he's looked like, you know, in that role. We saw, you know, for the brief period of time that he was with the with the Nets last year trying to, you know, assume that role. Um, it just didn't seem to work out. Now, I would feel a little bit more comfortable with Harden probably coming off the bench. I think that's probably what they'll, you know, what they'll do eventually. Um, do you guys have any ideas like what their rotation is going to be? Because, as you had mentioned, move no Dinwiddie. Now you have no Levert. Like what, they either have to start picking guys up some way somehow, or they need to figure out the rotation. So, do you guys feel like I'm on? Maybe I'm on the right track here. That that might be what they do. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, technically they're all starting, but I I think you're right. There's got to be somebody that kind of uh, captains the bench because I mean, you want to have an elite top ten offense the entire game rather than having, you know, 120 rating versus 118 rating. It's much more important to – and Nate Duncan, a basketball writer, talks about this. There's there's floor raisers and there's ceiling raisers. I feel like Kyrie is a ceiling raiser. On a really good team, like a Le, like LeBron Cavs team, he's that assassin in the right spot in that one quarter that's just unstoppable even against the best defense. I feel like Harden's a floor raiser. No matter – who else is around him? If Harden's on the court, that should be a top 10 offense in this league. Physically, he's bigger against smaller defenders, usually in, um, in worse defenders coming off the bench. He's just going to be able to consistently get, you know, quality buckets. So I think he should really, uh, you know, he should score about 12 points every second quarter uh, against a lot of these crappy second units. I mean, they're just, they're just, I mean, I think Smooth's right to talk about the defense. That's going to be their issue. But offensively, I think they have plenty of versatility. They just got to space it out throughout the game. I wonder how they actually fix their defense or if they're just going to take the approach where good luck outscoring us because I think we've seen that that approach in the NBA and it, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't work. You know, when you're not playing defense, the team's going to get, you know, obviously much better shots. Um, you were talking about a first quarter bet maybe with the Nets, McKenzie, were you? Yeah, so this is another one of those spots where it's you play a team, 
you have a day off, and then you play the same team in the same city. Uh, I want to update my numbers on this. I didn't get a chance right before the pod, but this was a 7-0 and trend starting off the season. I know it's cooled off significantly, but still above, above 58%, I'm pretty confident. And I think it's going to continue that way going forward. The dynamic is, okay, I just lost. I, st- I stewed on it you know, for 48 hours. The other team got to relax, got to celebrate a little bit. And the market's going to price it pretty much exactly the same as the game. This was 10.5. Now it's 10. The Nets should be a little more motivated. But obviously, they probably weren't good enough to be a 10-point favorite. So the, the line in the game, to me, seems about right. But I think in the, in the initial part where the emotions factor in, I think the Nets have a significant edge. It's going to be you know hefty. It's going to be like three, three and a half. Uh, I'm going to see if that number's out right now, actually. Okay, it's, it's not up right now. But yeah, a 10-point favorite is going to be three and a half, four. I think they're going to win the first quarter pretty comfortably. All right, solid stuff on that one. Um... I feel like we got a couple of decent wagers out of that. You know what I do want to ask you guys is I want to ask you, you know, who you're most like, what team are you the most disappointed with, you know, this upcoming season for me? um, I think it's rather easy for me to go ahead and say, it's probably going to be the Toronto Raptors. I thought that they had a team that, you know, that they could win the East for sure. And the fact that they're, you know, sitting on a five and nine record, uh, it seems like they've completely lost their identity um, I don't know what's wrong with that team. I, I really thought that they would be, you know, a half decent team this year. And the fact that they're five and nine, they're pulling up uh, almost a rear in the East. Uh, I would say that's probably like my most disappointing team right now. Uh, how about you, Smooth? If you had to take a look at one team that that you thought would be much better, you know, and they're not, uh, who would you pick? Um, I would have to go with the team that I picked. One of the teams I picked at the beginning of the season to be my surprise team out East. And uh, it's, it's the Wizards. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook, obviously he helps, you know, guys get good shots. You see Bradley Beal scoring the ball really well. I don't think that's any of a surprise. Uh, so I didn't think their offense would be an issue, but I thought they would be a lot better on the defensive end compared to last year. You know, last year they pretty much played more than half the season without the without a big man. They had Thomas Bryant, you know, available before he went down and tearing his ACL. And they played about almost two years without a point guard. And your point guard, he usually, you know, gets you in, in the right sets. And, and he's usually the, the head of the snake on the defensive end. So I thought with them bringing in Westbrook, uh, you know, one of the better players in his era, one of the better point guards, um, he would kind of right that ship a little bit. Um, but, you know, they really haven't improved much uh, on that end. And I think obviously that's the biggest reason why. They're, you know, at the bottom of the East, you know, they just can't stop anybody. They do have some good defensive metrics, you know, working in their favor. But for the main ones, uh, as far as, you know, making guys miss and, you know, not putting guys on the free throw line, uh, that's where I think a lot of their losses are coming from. But, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, uh, write that ship on, on that side of the floor throughout the course of the year unless you just bring in a bunch of different guys that can defend. So uh, I would have to go with the Wizards, you know, right now. Yeah, I, I've, you know, you and I had a decent conversation about that team and, and where we thought that they could certainly end up. How about you, Mackenzie? How you feeling about maybe one of the teams that's underperforming for you this season? I'm looking at the eighth. I'm looking at the uh, playoff standings right now in the West, and probably the teams that I think are the sleepers in the division in the conference are both outside of the playoffs right now. The Mavericks seven and seven, 
and the Nuggets seven and seven. And you know, I haven't really lowered them to either of them too much on my power rankings. With the Mavericks, they had the excuse with Porzingis. The Nuggets, they had a long playoff run, so it's like okay, these games don't really matter as much. But you know, when the when the rubber hits the road, these teams they don't want to be the seventh, sixth seed and lose in the first round. You know, they have two MVP candidates, each of them. Jokic eight to one with the Nuggets and Doncic somehow someone explained to me he's still the favorite at four to one. I don't see any way he could possibly win that award. But uh, yeah, I think I think those are the two teams out west that I thought were sleepers that really aren't getting it done. All right, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see how those teams pan out as we keep going along in the season. We do have one more game to get to here, guys. Uh, we will talk. Actually, you know what? Let me give out. I'll give you guys a best bet for tomorrow early line here. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play the Kings against the Knicks. I know the Knicks game hasn't started yet tonight. They're going to go ahead and play the Warriors, but I don't think I can go ahead and back the Knicks on a back-to-back. I liked what I saw from the Kings in their last game, so I'll go ahead and I'll play them. I'll lay the minus four. I think that that line uh, will go up. Let's jump over to Horizon League here with Dan. We got Wisconsin-Milwaukee at Cleveland State. Cleveland State going to be right around minus four and a half, minus five. Total 132 and a half. Dan, you, you got this one lined up, ready to go. What do you think? I like Cleveland State here, Sleepy. Cleveland State, to me, is the best team so far in Horizon League. I think they're slightly better than Wright State because Wright State has had two very questionable losses to just two awful teams. Cleveland State so far is an astounding 7-2-1 and one against spread in conference games this year. If you go back to 2019, they are 19-8-2 in conference games covering the spread by 2.3 points per game. To make it better for Cleveland State, this is a dominant home team. They are 10-5-2 against the spread at home since last year, and they're covering by about 2.4 points per game. But Sleepy, last game versus Cleveland State, they were blown out by 36 points to Wright State, and they sent Wright State to the foul line 45 times. I thought that was a typo, but that was not a typo. That is beyond sloppy for this Cleveland State team. Meanwhile, from Milwaukee, this is a team who has a good or okay record, but they have some very questionable wins or stats. They did beat Green Bay and IUPUI twice, but both those teams rank either 280 or above. And like I said, it's four of their five wins so far this year. In terms of the game, Cleveland State is number 125 on defense, number 87 effective field goal defense, and number 52 at defending the three. I do worry a little bit about this Cleveland State offense, but this offense has shown they can put up points. And if you look at the series history of the head-to-head two matchups going back to 2015-2016 season, the winner of this series is 8-3-1 straight up against the spread, and those were all at home. So this is a very home-dominant series. I'll take Cleveland State here to cover off a atrocious and embarrassing loss last week. I think they went about 71-59. to 59. All right, well, best of luck on that one. I'm just glad we're talking some Horizon League finally. I know it took a little while before those guys started to get going, but uh, certainly one of my favorite conferences. I think, Dan, that there's probably still you know a little bit of value betting on those teams now because you know they got such a late start that maybe the books haven't fully caught up uh, to that particular conference yet. But that'll do it, guys. That'll wrap it up for our podcast. A little bit of action here for you guys for your Friday. A big shout-out to Mackenzie Rivers. You guys can find him on Twitter at Mackin Rivers, Jay Smoove at Smoove underscore 702, and Dan Rivera at Dan Rivera 228. Uh, one quick announcement here for the Betting Predators, Betting Predators website. 
Uh, for those of you guys who like to write and you guys feel like you have uh, somewhat of a little bit of a writing ability, uh, you know, maybe slightly better than me uh, because I can't write for crap. But if you have like a favorite team or if there's something that you want to write on, whether it would be UFC, golf, NASCAR, whatever it might be, then you guys want to go ahead and submit something. You guys could send it to myself, Dan or Chris, and we'll take a look at it. And if it's something that you want to do and maybe even continue to do, uh, we have no problem going ahead and putting good quality content up on the bettingpredators.com. So just feel free to reach out. You know, maybe you have a favorite team that, that you feel like you know inside out. Maybe you know the Atlanta Hawks inside and out and you you just like to talk about them and you feel like you could write, you know, an article and maybe give some solid information, whether it would be, you know, maybe there's some coaching issues we're unaware of or injuries or whatever. Uh, we feel like that, that content is good content for, you know, our followers to go ahead and, and read and certainly follow. So as I had mentioned, please reach out to us and let us know. And uh, you guys will be seeing a lot of new content on the betting predators. Uh, dot com. I believe Mackenzie Rivers, you will be dropping your NBA power rankings, which I've read them every time you sent them. And I have a hard time, you know, pulling a team and being like, I feel like you're wrong here. Um, I think you probably have some of the, I'll just say you would probably have some of the most underrated power ratings uh, out there. And if you haven't seen them yet, you guys will get a chance to do that on the bettingpredators.com. But with that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for your Friday. Enjoy the games.